that's definitely a sort of a philosophy I've tried to stick to in terms of like life is pretty short and as in you're the only person who gets to experience your whole story so even if you're just telling the story to yourself it may as well be as interesting as possible and like each day you get to write a page about what happened today and it's like well what would be like a really fun page to happen and when you get like the two choices like it's always go for like the crazy one that's like interesting as opposed to oh and I didn't get in a weird van that was full of dead animals today because of it looked scary I just sort of said no and politely declined like that's not an story it's like oh I jumped in and then was like shit why have I jumped in and anyway kind of it's just yeah yeah philosophy I feel and you survived that's good (laughs) the cerebral entertainment podcast Hey, thank you for checking in to this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you all to go to buyjack.com slash CEP to pick up all of your CEP network gear, including the new hoodies and coffee mugs representing all three of the shows on our network. Also, be sure to head on over to truenutrition.com for all of your nutrition and supplement needs. And when you check out, be sure to use the code CEPN for a 5% discount on your total order. Now for this episode, Colt and I get on the line with entrepreneur, adventurer, and podcaster, and much more, Sam Harris. During this episode, you will hear Sam discuss some of his adventures across the world, including his mountain climbing and silent meditation retreats. We discuss overcoming adversities such as dyslexia and cheating death, and we do some riveting deep philosophical dives into the concept of free will and much more. So be sure to check in with Sam on LinkedIn, growthmindsetpodcast.com, and check into his company, Syncify, at syncify.fm. You can find all this information in the show notes. We had a great time keeping our brains warm with Sam, and so without further introduction, here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to yet another riveting edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Colt. Absolutely. And with us on the line today, we have all the way from the UK, Mr. Sam Harris. How are you doing today, Sam? I'm doing great. Thank, yeah. you. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, man, we're stoked to have you on. I was very, uh, very delighted that you kind of took me up on my offer to jump on the show. And uh, I've been, I always track LinkedIn for for special people who are out there doing adventurous things. And I live as much as I can vicariously through those people. Um, and I have got my work cut out for me to live vicariously through you because you are out there doing some amazing things. And uh, like I said, before we started recording, there's no way that we could possibly get to everything that you do. So I'm going to hit on a couple of the, the I, I don't know if you call them main points or just whatever we can get into, I guess, and see where that takes us. So yeah, thanks again sure. for coming on, man. And uh, I guess to start off, why don't you give us a little bio? Tell us a little bit about yourself, present yourself to our listeners, and uh, let's get to know you a little bit. Sure. Um, I mean, thanks for a, a very lovely introduction. I I kind of feel a bit like that's a bit over the top because it's I swear every day I feel like I'm really boring and like not much is going on. <laughs> and you're like, I I look at myself, I have no idea how I've managed to do the things I do because like everyone I'm around seems to move so much faster. I'm like quite dyslexic and it takes me forever to do anything. But somehow I seem to do quite a lot in like a year. But each week it's like nothing happens. I just make a mess. Um, but on that introduction where I sort of (laughs) talk about how useless I am, um, I've done quite a few things. I started my first business when I was 20, which, uh, whilst I was at uni, which I grew for a few years and sold and I ran the, um, like a business incubator for the, uh, university that I was at. Then since then I've done like quite a lot of adventure and 
I've ran quite a few startups in the meantime. I did run one that was called Thrill Seekers Adventure Club, which is all about going on adventures with people. But I um, it was a really great way to kind of get paid and earn money doing fun stuff. But I got bored of like dealing with people's problems. I worked out what I needed to do to scale it. And was like, I, I don't want to run this business at all. So I stopped doing that. But I have done some pretty fun things. Like I went to North Korea, I hitchhiked across Kazakhstan, uh, spent um, like a month in Tasmania living with some hippies in the woods. Uh, did the, have you heard of Vipassana, like the 10-day silent meditation retreats, um, which lots of people are doing these days. It's not that unique, but it's still a pretty hard thing to go and do and sit and meditate for 10 days without Absolutely. talking to humans or looking at anyone and stuff. And so that, that was pretty fun. Uh, well, the first few days were kind of horrible, but after that, I had like probably the best time of my life. Um, yeah. Uh, what else have I been doing? I mean, I've been running my podcast for the last four years. I've had some really cool guests on there, like guy that invented Siri, um, just eat like people that lead cool stuff or, or just people that are like really happy. Um, also it's been really nice just learning from people. I guess you guys like living vicariously as well. So that's mm. been really helpful. And um, I mean, like I said, I was quite dyslexic. I was really bad at talking as well when I was young and I still wasn't very good at it when I started my podcast. But uh, in the last year, I went from, well, not really having done much stuff to, I went into like stand-up comedy. I did like a TEDx speech. And those are things that like I definitely couldn't have done like a few years ago at all. Just I would, I'd be completely terrified. I couldn't even leave like a WhatsApp voice message to someone because it was too difficult. So I've been trying to work on like growth stuff that just always challenges me, I guess. And other thing, yeah, I've nearly died a few times. So there's, I think this <laughs> there's is, that. This is probably wait, I run a business, but yeah, uh, it's it's annoying um, having too many things going on. Like that's one thing I think I'm working on is is sort of doing less, but productively. Like I said, I feel like I'm going nowhere because I'm trying to do too many things all at once, and you kind of sometimes the old thing breaks out and actually happens, but mostly it's not that effective. Where I feel if I was sort of more focused, I might be a lot more effective. So I think I've told you guys some having a like a 10 day not silent meditation retreat just like a silent personal retreat where i'm just shutting off all humans and just kind of letting my brain do like a million things but actually like get to the end of them so like doing lots of writing and creative stuff and trying to not like just waste it watching tv or being on email or calls and things which is what seems to happen all the time so you're well, not you're you're not actually going anywhere this for these 10 days? No. You're just kind of hunkering no. down? Yeah. 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 My idea of a holiday is like just not talking to anyone and doing lots of writing. Whereas everyone else is like, Sam, do you not want to like maybe just not be productive for a week? I'm like, I feel like I've been unproductive all year. I'm, I need to get shit out of my brain. There's too much <laughs> stuff going on. It's bulging. You mentioned, I, I've, yeah. I've read you mention about using coping skills to overcome dyslexia. Can you give me any specifics mm. on that? What what was it that you were doing in order to kind of overcome the the challenges that come with being dyslexic? So dyslexia is interesting. I was just listening to a podcast earlier about a guy with dyslexia who says he just has like a really great memory for like words and things because he didn't learn too much from like his teachers. And I like, I do not have a memory for words. And so I'd have to take aggressive notes, which helped me a little bit in the note taking. Hmm. And I wasn't so good at actually reading on things, but I sort of, I guess I was, I was never very good at following 
instructions and was very able to just make stuff up myself and I kind of remember things much better if I make it up so I can remember all the songs I've written I can't really remember songs that I learn on guitar that other people have written very well stuff like that but it's the same with any rules so I kind of have to work it out for myself on those things but like back with in like science and stuff I, I could just work that all all out quite intuitively whereas English and, and speaking was really hard and didn't come naturally to me so I kind of had to realize what I was bad at and just force myself to do things so like mm -hmm. doing the things that scare you because I, I think it just takes me like three times longer to learn stuff when it comes to language and speaking so just putting myself through the pain a bit more rather than being like oh I'm bad at this and running away from it um so like when I started my podcast and I realized I couldn't even record the intro or outro and I was like well I haven't done like the voice whatsapp notes to people so I just didn't let myself send any texts I just had to send like a whatsapp voice note to all my friends for a month just to like <laughs> force myself to do things that I didn't like doing and get better at it uh but in terms of getting better at writing and these things again like I had some extra coaching like once I kind of got diagnosed when I was kind of old well I'm a bit well everyone thinks I'm special in different ways but I'm like a is a high functioning dyslexic like a, a word or something because I'm <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah, so. it sounds like really at myself I'm in like the top one percent for IQ which is cool and so I was always in the top set for everything at school and it, so they didn't really think I was that dumb I just wouldn't ever finish any of my exams I just do really well in them because everything I did was right I just wouldn't ever finish I'm just like really slow but like smart at things and so it was kind of weird to work out what I was bad at exactly and it's just yeah just getting my thoughts out of me is the problem hmm. somehow which is why when I have like the time to myself to go and do the thing and I guess it's like working out where you are weak and what you're good at so you can kind of do the things you're good at which is whether you're dyslexic or anything is I guess the point of life so what's really really helped is meditating and journaling and having the time to kind of reflect each day to see what you are doing wrong and just remind yourself each day of what troubles you have and after a week of writing the same thing that something's annoying you it gets really annoying when you're like oh I didn't do that well this day oh I didn't and you're like shit why am I still doing this thing like and so it it's a it's a really good way of making yourself more aware of what you want to improve on I think and and anywhere where you can get coached by someone and get feedback is always a huge way to improve yourself so or like like yeah I'm sure you understand from running the podcast is you get to listen through and hear yourself speaking and be like, wow, I asked a really shit question there where I say like all the time, I really have to do that less. Right. And when you are hearing yourself lots, it's really improves your rate. Cause it's all about, have you read peak or, um, well, most things that talk to you about like how to improve and coaching wise is it's getting external feedback and just being able to like monitor yourself and see how well you're doing and track stuff. Because if you're kind of just doing things without ever getting any feedback, you never really know how well you're doing. Mm -hmm. So, how, yeah. how long how long did it take you to get comfortable putting out a podcast? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm still constantly annoying. I've now got an editor, but it still always takes me a while to like get in there, sort of headspace to bother to record like the intros and things. Uh, but I guess like the first year was difficult. The second year. I did a few podcast episodes by myself, which I wrote out like the entire transcript and sort of said word for word and wasn't too confident on that. Like, by the third year, 
I did a series where I just sort of recorded it on the go of just me saying some things. And I guess like, so it was the point where I got confident, I'd say. And then it was one of those that got picked up to be my TEDx speech in this year. Well, now, now last year. And because I was doing that, I was also like, I should do stand-up comedy because I want to be funny in my TED speech. And um, I think that really improved a lot of stuff. Just kind of getting a lot more comfortable with just putting yourself out there. I've got a business partner who's like ridiculously charismatic and he's constantly like the center of attention and everyone knows him as like the funny guy. But I'd say about a third to a half of his stories are actually quite crap, but he just, he just relentlessly sort of says them. And I kind of was always more of the perfectionist. Like if I'm going to speak, I'm saying something meaningful and <laughs> trying to get comfortable with just like not being funny or not having the best story or sort of start and it going wrong is really powerful because then you can just try all the time and then you get like all the hours in and actually doing it whereas I just never got any practice talking because I just wouldn't talk kind of thing and so just trying to find ways that you can initially start off on stuff so I did um, a podcast episode on like a life hack two years ago where I was like just do something you're bad at for like 10 minutes a day and so taking like skill breaks which um, I found really powerful for kicking off any skill so instead of having cigarette breaks, I don't smoke. I used to like go outside with my friends that smoked and just do something that I was bad at for 10 minutes with them. So like I just take the juggling balls with me and just drop balls for 10 minutes or something. And like anyone picks up the juggling balls, they can't do it. And you drop them and you just sort of go, oh, well, I can't do it. And you put them down. But if you just do it for 10 minutes, which isn't that long, after a month, you can you can juggle. And it's the same with if you learn to play guitar, like you can't quite make a chord shape and it hurts. So you just sort of give up after two minutes but if you do it for 10 minutes a day for a month you can actually sort of you have the basis of the skill to then be able to practice for like longer and actually get really good at it so that was a really good life hack for just breaking into any skill initially just through the pain barrier just making yourself do like 10 minutes a day hmm. um top tip i like it i like it and you mentioned like going into things that kind of scare you and so uh, that hmm. could be that could be speaking it's funny you talk about how you you weren't good at speaking um, for a while because now you're a speaker and your, your TEDx talk was great. I, I liked it and you were funny. And so Thanks. when you, when you said that you were kind of breaking out into uh stand up comedy, I was like, Hey, I can see that that works. Definitely yet another new adventure for you. Um, uh, but things like going to Tanzania, does that scare you when you, when you go on an adventure like that? Are, are you nervous about the environment that you're going to be in? Cause like you said, you had no roof. You're out there with, I, I you said a bunch of hippies. I don't know if these are hippies that you knew. Yeah. Um, do you do that for the, like, how do you, how do you come to make a decision to do something like that? Because that just sounds like it would scare the shit out of me, like being out there in that environment out of my comfort zone, which I know is also a, you know, that there's a lot of benefit to, to stepping out of one's comfort zone. Yeah, whether it's something mm -hmm. small like juggling or whether something big like, you know, uh, camping out with no roof in a foreign place that sounds dangerous. I don't know how dangerous it actually is out there. I don't know much about it. Yeah. But how, how do you get yourself to like to that point to where you're like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do? Um, quite a few things. So, I mean, mostly it wasn't too dangerous, but twice I did have a scorpion uh, in my stuff as I was going to bed, which is kind of scary. Mm. Uh, but otherwise it wasn't too bad really um, just as long as you don't mind not having a shower and washing in a river and getting grimier and grimier as the month goes on and that kind of stuff it was fine and not having any technology uh, is a bit scary if you really like technology mm -hmm. um, but it was quite it was really nice after like 
the three weeks or so being there and coming back to real well what we perceive as reality and uh just seeing all these people like tied to their screens and be like what the shit is going on like humans are so like useless and not in like the real moment um but yeah in terms of doing things that scare you i'm not sure if if you think of like from like evolutionary perspective then there's always the sort of the people that were genetically predisposed to be the ones that would like run away from the tribe and do something different and sometimes they'd find like something better and so i don't know if it's just part of that or because like relatively speaking i had quite a comfy existence growing up I, like i went to some nice schools and things and so maybe you kind of seek extra challenge I, i'm not really sure but i've never been very comfortable in comfort if that makes sense mm, i like it uh as in i get pretty stressed out by lack of stress and like i i had a therapist uh because i just got it for free from better help because i was advertising for them mm. and i had never needed because i've never been depressed but then it was really nice just to kind of spend time understanding myself and she kind of diagnosed me as needing to have like some kind of thrill-seeking adventure or something and like in the in the first lockdown i uh I kind of just ended up starting a bunch of stupid challenges. I restarted the Thrill Seekers Adventure Club at like having adventures inside. So I did one week where I did like a really horrendous press-up challenge on the hour, every hour for the whole week. And I just to see what would happen. It was really interesting in terms of how much time there is in the day when you get that perspective every hour to break and really hurt yourself physically. Or like another week, I just only ate porridge. Just, I just like, I don't know. I just need to do something <laughs> stupid. But then like, when I was recording my podcast, I, I had like this uh, volume knob on my headphones and I was playing with it. I got it to silent whilst I was recording and I couldn't hear the person. And then I was just like, I just started playing around with it and just like not listening to them to see if I could still ask funny questions and stuff. I, I don't know what was going on in my brain. I just just needed some extra sort of stimulation of weird excitement. And um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's like something you can teach exactly. I think you can get a lot more comfortable with it around... You know, Tim Ferriss and for our work week we've went around the um, whole like comfort challenges like try lying down when you're in the middle of a queue for something and just say that you're hanging out and try asking three girls for a phone number every day <laughs> regardless of what they look like just doing things that scare you um, and I think you do get a lot more comfortable with it and realize that nothing's really bad on that other side of fear and certainly I've found all the things that I've done that were like really scary where you've kind of gone through like the door of fear, like the other side has been so much more exciting and awesome. You realize that it's kind of holding you back from the good thing. And so I kind of recognize when I'm scared of something as the potential for good. Whereas so like with stand-up comedy, that used to be something which just completely terrify me. But then by like a year ago, I was like, oh, if this is really scary, it must be freaking awesome if I go and do this. So I kind of went and did it. And so I think once you can once you can teach yourself that fear is like freaking awesome to come over, then you can, you kind of get quite excited by fear and it's no longer actually a thing that scares you. It's like a, Ooh, this is an opportunity for, for like some fun. Yeah. Yeah. It also kind of brings to my mind, just being curious, being mindful of the fear. I, I've been mm. recognizing this within myself lately, um, over the past several years now, but 
just that when I'm scared of something, when I, when I'm experiencing fear over doing something, something new, or maybe something I've tried before and, and failed at, or, or wasn't happy with myself in that endeavor, um, I start to just become curious of the fear and I wonder why I'm afraid. And so I start to dissect that a bit. And I agree with you on the other side of that fear, there's almost always opportunity. If, if you don't succeed at what it was that you were trying to, the, the challenge you were trying to overcome, then you at least learn something. And there's a saying mm-hmm. that I've seen several times that um, I, I either win or I learn. And so you don't ever really lose if you have that mindset, if you have that perspective that this is an adventure, it's something that uh, it's going to be an education for me. It's not going to be a failure. I just have to apply myself and then go for it. But dissecting the fear itself for me helps me to learn more about myself. It helps me to, to kind of get a grip on where my mind is at in the first place because I'm the type of guy, if I'm not careful, I can become stressed out without even realizing it. And I notice that my concentration falters and I have trouble speaking. I have trouble thinking. And so I take a step back and I'm like, okay, well, I'm stressed out. What am I stressed out about? Um, and I find that if I'm not mindful, if I don't use mindfulness and I try to check in several times a day, uh, if I'm not doing that, then I experience fear. I experience other types of emotions and I don't even realize that what I'm going through, I'm, I'm not experiencing myself in the present moment like I should be. And so life just mm-hmm. kind of life is living me as opposed to me living life. And so yeah. what, what you were saying that really reminded me of that concept, something that I've been working on. So that's very interesting. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. yeah I think um, it's definitely being comfortable to not just run away from the fear instantly and to just sit with it and think about what it is and why it's there is really uh, powerful. And, um, and just having the time, the headspace, like you said. So I think whenever I've not had like a time for a morning routine or like an evening routine, it's always not been a good thing. Mm-hmm. And also if you can get some exercise in the middle of the day as well to kind of just get away from things is super, super helpful. Um, yeah, that was one on the, on the Vipassana meditation where you have the 10 days, like silent retreat. Uh, there's, it's not what you expect, like one hour of meditating, but it's like one of the most painful things you can do is sit completely still. And uh, <laughs> I mean, just think how much you can get a dead leg just for after 10 minutes of sitting on it and then times that by like a thousand. And it's just like the craziest weird experiences will go through your body. But if you just try and like sit completely still and just kind of not react to it, you get quite used to feeling things in your body and not reacting and and just sort of staying still and like trying to just like return to wherever you were thinking about, which should be your breath. And when you kind of get that at a deep fundamental level from doing this for so long, you then start to be able to do that with like other feelings that come into your body. So when like anger hits you or like fear or something, you can kind of go, oh, there's a big emotion hitting me. I wonder why this emotion is here. And you can be curious rather than like reacting to it straight away, which is uh, really powerful. And I wish you could like <laughs> teach that in, in a way that doesn't require sitting still for 10 days. But um, in other words, I'm you're not, sure. not just in, in other words, you feel that feeling and you don't just be like, uh, I'm just going to pull my phone out and look at Facebook now. <laughs> Instead of that, yeah. you actually you you're not doing anything else. Like you've got mm-hmm. you're kind of forced mm-hmm. to go through those emotions and go through those thoughts and really dissect everything. Yeah. So like when, when you, when you do these retreats and stuff like that, is it overwhelming to come back to technology being kind of engulfed in technology like you are? Yeah. It's really nice to, uh, 
not go straight back into it and I definitely think you need like a few days afterwards to kind of deal with the real world again um but it does definitely make you question things but it's a bit like fasting I don't know if you've done I did like a five-day fast once and the first few days you do eat less definitely your stomach's drunk and things but then you quickly go back to eating things but you do know that you don't ever have to and yeah all the time that you normally spend snacking because you think you need food you're like well I definitely don't need food because I could literally just not eat for five days starting from now if I wanted to and yet here I am like in the fridge eating stuff and it's hard to really be conscious of things when you haven't changed what your environment is and how you interact with it um so I think if you don't think about what you want to change when you come back around how you deal with technology and stuff um it doesn't make that much difference and it's hard to like maybe fix everything all at once so um I think probably the biggest I mean I wasn't really an angry person before but I certainly just don't really get too pissed off about anything at all now in that sense um which was a really big effect but I still struggle with uh not paying attention to my phone too much or or eating too much when I shouldn't be and I'm hardly like enlightened I think uh if it's like a journey of sort of a trillion steps, I've taken about three on the journey of enlightenment, but I've, you know, I've started. I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a long one, but I'd definitely feel way better for it. So I'm pretty happy. And that's something I'm working on this year, I think. So last year I was, yeah, pretty insane. Like the things I did as in I started the year, like I said, I kind of nearly died and I, could, I couldn't even walk and stuff. And I did like the, the standard comedy but I climbed like one of the most dangerous mountains in the world which um I hadn't even climbed a mountain before and stuff uh, which was pretty ambitious because I wasn't sure if I'd be able to walk and so I kind of really did the whole facing my fears last year and stuff but now it's I'm I'm uh, trying to focus on being more indistractable as near Ayal calls it if I actually I really want to just be as productive as possible and that's kind of scares me because I've just always been very scattered. And so that's like actually a really big challenge for me this year, which is the, what I'm kind of aiming for. And I'm very much acknowledging that I'm quite shit at it at the moment. <laughs> and so that's why I'm, I'm going for it. Whereas I could have gone for like, oh, this year I'm going to be unstoppable or something. But I'm like, I kind of did that last year. <laughs> just be sort of, yeah, I should do stuff that maybe doesn't sound as cool, but actually is really hard. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of glossing over the fact that you almost died. Let's get into that. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I need that as well. I need to know the story. <laughs> we, we need specifics, please. Um, well, this happened happened a few times, but uh, twenty nineteen October, I was kite surfing, and I was kind of far out, and um, I hadn't really kite surfed before, but this was like the second time I'd ever stood up, and it was really really windy day, and um. I probably shouldn't have been out there anyway, but somehow like my leg stepped out the front of the board and it snapped up super fast, hit my knee and my thigh bone shattered. And um, so I just uh, was in the middle of the sea and my leg was just like this floppy mess everywhere. And um, I kind of, I struggled just to like get out of my kite and stuff. And then I, I literally just sort of lay there being like, wow, I totally can't swim. <laughs> and I was just like, what the fucking at my leg? Cause it was just this like weird 
floaty thing but then from the knee down it was still my leg but it was like sort of unattached to me because I could still move those bits but then the bit in between my hip and my knee was just I don't know it was just like a bag of leg and <laughs> that was super surreal and like I started swimming for a bit it was like wow I totally can't swim so <laughs> I guess I'm just gonna die but then um my instructor had seen it happen so she came out to get me after sort of 10 minutes of me lying there and sort of dragged me into the waves and stuff and oh, legging everywhere and that was yeah super shit and then once you get to land outside of the sea it was like way worse because I've tried to describe what it's like not having bones in in like your limb but like if you look like as in this is just like fleshy stuff and there's like a hard bone that keeps it there but when like if you just crack all the bone like you just got like a floppy arm and that's what happens with your leg but when it's from your hip you still got like all the weight of your leg going on from that and like a leg's quite a big thing it's hard to really describe but <laughs> when you ha you don't realize how heavy your legs are because of like they're your legs and you've got your bones and structure in them but when it's gone it's just like this really heavy thing that's tied to your hip and the bones like they're really sharp when they break and so it they kind of stabbed into my thighs and stuff. And so, yeah, oh, it was just, it was an ordeal. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of quite risky. And then I lost like a, quite a lot of blood and um, ended up being like really anemic for a few weeks and stuff. And yeah. Um, so, so doing what you were doing, did you have a lot of adrenaline going? Like the pain maybe not as yeah, bad yeah. as you would think it would be right off the bat? It was super painful. Um, <laughs> as in... It was kind of like when you stub your toe, uh, mm -hmm. the first, like I did something and was like, oh, I think I've done something. Looked down and my leg was just like being where I was like, no, that's not right. And then it just hit me like, oh my God, I'm going <laughs> to die. And I was just like, shit. <laughs> and no, it's pretty, it's on the list of things that are worse than childbirth. Apparently I had a child, so I can't actually um, compare, but uh also, I'm not sure how painful that is or other things, but it, it definitely really sucked. That's for sure. It sounds and brutal. Luckily, I'd already done it beforehand, so I was, uh, I kind of spent most of the time making jokes and things to people, which was not how I felt inside at all, but it was <laughs> kind of odd. And yeah, was, so you climbed the mountain after you broke your leg, the most dangerous mountain, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually booked that whilst in hospital, <laughs> which my mom wasn't to be. I was meant to be going on a climbing trip the week after, and like so I had to cancel it, but they said I could move it. So I just looked at what else I could do, and I was like, oh, shit, I can climb this. And um, it was like, okay, eight months ambitious goal. I'm not sure if I'll be able to walk, but if I am, like, I want to have a goal. So I, I went for that. Mm. And, um, yeah, that was pretty silly. What kind of training did you have leading up to that? Uh, not a lot because we were in lockdown and everything. So I um, was just trying to do a lot of running and cycling, really. And then just the month before it, I luckily have a friend who does do quite a lot of mountain climbing. So I went to visit him in Munich where it was just fortunate on the timings of when we weren't in lockdown to be able to go see him. And we climbed like the biggest mountain in Germany together and another one in Austria, which was like my training. Um, so yeah, a few weeks ahead, I actually climbed some mountains and like, I, I couldn't have climbed them anyway, like a, a month before that really, I wasn't really fit enough because like it, it took a long time from 
being able to walk to being able to like put any because you can't run for a long time because you put like a lot more weight through your leg on the impact and stuff so i couldn't really train at all for a, a very long time so i was i was literally i think if it had been like two weeks earlier i probably wouldn't have been fit enough to do it kind of thing it was very like borderline um good <laughs> timing which was really lucky mm. uh yeah so that was cool though and crazy experience and uh it's I mean, people, we should know the mountain. It's the, um, if you've ever eaten Toblerone, it's the, it's the mountain that's on that, uh, that I climbed, but I had to get up at like four in the morning when you kind of put the mountain to climb the, the main part of it. And like, I thought it'd be okay, but it was so scary because of, you've got, you can't see where you're going at all. And you just got this like mile drop beneath you. And the, a lot of it, you're not actually tied to anything. And you're like, what the shit is going on? I mean, <laughs> I could just die so easily. And they're like, yeah, you just have to carry it. And I'm like, fuck's sake. <laughs> and you're like, well, even if I turn back, like, it's going to be just as scary. So it makes no difference. I'll just carry on. But you're like, it's just, yeah, it was a pretty surreal. Like, I could just remember being back in bed, be like, well, in the hospital, being like, wondering if I was going to die. And then be like, yeah, I'm also here. Like, put myself back in this situation. Why have I done this? I don't know. I kind of feel bad for my mom right now. <laughs> but, how much do you think those adventures how much do they benefit you in your in your daily life i mean it, i know that we talk about you know facing struggle and and overcoming challenges and that has to have some some practical consequences results for your daily life yeah it's definitely perspective uh one thing was so i mean i said i, I woke up at 4 a.m to climb and say so by 8 30 we're at the top of the matterhorn so Every time I wake up, I've got this like alarm thing that says like, oh, by the way, you cl- you, you reach like the top of the scare one of the scariest mountains by eight thirty, and so like, it sort of forces you to be like, okay, I can definitely achieve some pretty cool things each morning, and um, it's just like it's a handy reminder to be like, okay, you can definitely take on and do like a big scary thing right now <laughs> when you wake up a bit late and you're like, oh, life's too difficult. You're like, wait, no, life isn't that difficult. You're you're, you're just kind of kidding yourself. So that's that's handy. And I guess it's also really handy on the perspective of when you do come really close to death, it's quite, I don't know, I just sort of accepted it in that being dead, there's nothing bad about being dead as such as in if you're the one that's dead, because this is nothing. It's like an, if there's like a scale of like 10 is awesome, happy times, minus 10 is like the worst thing you could feel. Being dead is just a naught. There's nothing there, and so when you're, if you if you think that you're about to die, it's kind of like, ah, oh, well, everything in my life that I'm kind of worried about doesn't really matter anymore because of like I'll be dead. So there's nothing to panic about, and uh, all of my to-do list doesn't matter. All those things that I want to do doesn't matter because they're not going to happen, and it's it's quite stress relieving, and you can kind of think about any time that you are stressed or feel down about things it's like well this is kind of worse than being dead which could lead you to want to go to suicide but like it doesn't don't worry but it, <laughs> it just means that like okay i'm just being stupid like i'm just kind of annoying myself right now by whatever bad feelings i'm feeling because of like i'm alive so there's a limited potential for me to do fun stuff with the rest of my life like or i kind of just appreciate that instead of dwelling on like whatever bad things happened and so it's very handy for that perspective mm-hmm yeah, I like that, and I could see the the need um, to to have recurring adventures to to do things 
as often as possible so that you keep the volume turned down on all the stuff that doesn't matter as much as possible. Um, mm. I've had some, some close calls in life myself. I, I've never climbed a mountain, so I could just imagine how, how much climbing the, the scariest mountain in the world or whatever, the most dangerous, um, how that might affect your, your volume on, on everything else, all the mundane, all the, uh, the simple things mm. that tend to drag us down in life that it seems like it's a crisis sometimes at the moment. But then when we take perspective, we realize it's really not that big of a deal when you take a step back and look at it. Um, but over time, like since, you know, it's been a while since I've risked my life or, or you know, have, have been in a close call type of situation. And so the proximity to that event tends to, it, it, it makes this, the, uh, the experience fade somewhat. And so, mm. you know, sometimes I get to thinking to myself, you know, I need to go do something to get some kind of a thrill, to get some kind of a, an adrenaline producing situation to, to kind of wake me back up again and turn that, that volume back down. And so I can see, you know, scheduling things that would uh, kind of create that adrenaline rush might be pretty important in order to kind of keep that ball rolling. Yeah, definitely. It's um, the hedonic adaption problem mm. that we face as all humans. And everything's kind of relative to like your recent memories of things. So yeah, you are kind of pretty adapted. I was just going on and when you're used to something being really nice and then suddenly it's like a little bit less nice. It's like, Oh shit, this is terrible. Um, and it's all a bit surreal. I was having a funny moment the other day. I don't know. I was just making like a yogurt for dinner and I had like my soy coconut yogurt with like this vegan chocolate protein and like organic cacao nibs. And I was just like, what the shit is going on? I just ordered this off Amazon with one click. Like my life is way too comfortable. And like, who even needs all this weird vegan stuff? I mean, it's great that I can have it, but like, I could just be hunting in the middle of the woods. Like it was just a weird moment of like, how the hell has my life got to being this comfy? And it's just kind of strange how unreal our life is compared to where we came from as animals kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like it's very hard to keep that appreciation because we're not designed mm -hmm. to as humans. Like we're sort of designed to be slightly unhappy the whole time and always want more because that's just like, evolution and why the people that have that survived and the others didn't kind of thing so it's a hard one trying to get out of your own way on that part but it's kind of a, you can try i guess <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a balance though isn't it because we are yeah, exactly. we are evolving to constantly improve and at the same mm. time as we're evolving into self-improvement and improvement as a as a whole as a as a race of human beings uh, we're leaving behind something else at the same time we're leaving behind that that uh, just innate mindfulness of, you know, nature of, of where we're at and, and where we come from. Mm. Um, technology Definitely. is a big perpetuator of that. So it's kind of a kind of a strange balance we we kind of try to keep in order to hang on to the stuff that we need to and yet move forward. Yeah, 100%. I, uh, yeah, I find it difficult. But in terms of the original question around regularly scheduling um some kind of excitement i think you can kind of engineer it a bit more in your life without necessarily having to do like crazy things like climbing huge mountains uh although it's really nice to do the really big stuff but like i said in lockdown where i kind of just did like the week of only eating porridge or something just to sort of be like wait what's something i've never done before and you can kind of have adventures at home or you can i don't know just 
try dunking yourself in the bath and see how long you can hold your breath and go further or like I'm near the sea at the moment it's winter so I'm just trying to go in a sea most days even though it's freezing it was like windy and hail this morning and like the sea's on my doorstep there's nothing stopping me from going in it apart from me being like oh it's cold I shouldn't go in the sea but then you do and life doesn't implode and you've done like a really scary hard thing and so you can do stuff or like there's a really good book by um Alistair Fothergill, I think it is, or no, Alistair Humphreys, who he cycled around the world for four years. He's a really cool guy. But then when he got back, he started um, doing these things with like micro adventures where he just try and have an adventure from his doorstep every day for like a year. And so you can kind of, you can hitchhike from your own home. You don't have to go to like a, a hitchhike across Kazakhstan, but, but you can hitchhike across like <laughs> your local county or anything and still meet crazy people and do weird shit and just sort of say yes to scary stuff if you let yourself um or like okay ban yourself from watching tv one evening and just sit in front of an empty notebook and try and write some like a novel like it's kind of scary scare blank pages are scary like there's so much stuff you can do without necessarily doing like the traditional climbing a mountain mm. um, basically is what i'm trying to say or or hiking across Kazakhstan, you you glossed over that again. What yeah. what what was because um, <laughs> that was on my list of things. It's like what I, I don't know. How do you even how do you even do that? Where does that come from? <laughs> that was really random. Um, so I was starting an AI business in Hong Kong, and we got funded to go out there. And I was like, oh, I might not have any time for adventure after this because I'll be running this business for like a few years and stuff. So. I was looking at flights to Hong Kong and I worked out that I could do it slightly cheaper by flying to the near end of Kazakhstan and then hitchhiking to the, the far end of Kazakhstan, more, more east, and taking a flight from there to Hong Kong, just as I was like scanning through different things. I was like, okay, that's cool. And I, uh, I had a friend who I'd done some climbing with and he wanted to kind of go through the stands anyway because we, we've been doing some travel together. So we decided that we'd um, meet up in the, the near side of Kazakhstan and then hitchhike across it together. Turns out it's really big, Kazakhstan. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take Just, to get across it? It, it took, uh, I think, about eight days, but we, we maybe it was 10, but we were pretty um, full on. We, we caught some pretty good hitches in terms of like lorry drivers. There's a lot of lorry drivers that uh, work together in like pairs, um, I, I found out doing this because they kind of, if someone has a breakdown or something goes on like you've got your, your friend to sort of help you and stuff so we we met a lot of lorry drivers and but also loads of random crazy people um but yeah it didn't take as long as i thought it might and it was really cool we just got to meet lots of people that you'd have never really known about that much and then we still had a few days at the end to go hiking in the mountains and hmm. yeah it was really really nice so so you, you took I, I like kazakhstan you took a flight to then hitchhike to another flight is that right is that what you said yeah we went into like the capital astana and then um hitchhiked to almaty on the other side could you imagine doing that no (laughs) no (laughs) it'll take slightly slightly it'll cost slightly less if you fly from here to here but we can hitchhike from there to there and then we'll fly again (laughs) that's that's crazy that's why i talk to people like sam because i don't see myself doing that but that's awesome yeah, I mean, I would have done it if it cost like a little bit more. I was just trying to find a way for adventure, but it was like, oh, cool, I would technically say 50 quid. So 
sounds even better. <laughs> you, you said you you met people, but did you have any? What, wasn't there a language barrier there? I mean, could you understand yeah, each other? Yeah, mostly they spoke Russian. Okay. Um, but some people you know, spoke spoke like a few words of English in a bit, and some spoke more. Um, so yeah, so some truck drivers did have some kind of fun conversations with, and yeah, with, I think one was like delivering baby food, other was like full of beer and odd stuff. We have one guy, one set of guys, we ended up in this like weird food competition to who could like down the most raw eggs at like a truck stop with a bunch of other truckers. That was not the nicest um, <laughs> calorie delight. I don't have much to say about the Kazakhstan food, to be honest. It wasn't great anyway. Um, uh, I think one, we got picked up this one guy who just like, oh, I've got this really rich friend, you should meet him. And we ended up just getting taken to this villa with this guy who, he also didn't speak any English. So it was just kind of weird. We just sort of drank cocktails and went in this pool for a bit. And then he, he put us in this van that was just like disgustingly full of like meat in like open caskets and things and bits of dead pig and stuff. And we just sort of put in the back of it afterwards, <laughs> having not spoken English to any of these people. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Having just been given this weird drink and we're like, are we about to get murdered or something? Because of like <laughs> this weird rich guy's just taking this and sort of what the shit is going on? And it was kind of concerning. And yeah, <laughs> it was fine. They dumped us on like the roadside somewhere where we could get a lift. And yeah, they could have just, they could have just chopped you up it. and put you in that and yeah. nobody would have ever known. <laughs> <laughs> exactly we were like shit we just in like weird like european hitchhikers that they're just like oh fuck it <laughs> it was it's a scary moment i just wonder what kind of rich guy keeps pieces of dead pig in the back of his van it's like what what yeah. does he do oh, it was it was like quite a big van for transporting stuff okay. it wasn't just like a small van and it, it was like like trays and trays of, of just meat and and bloody stuff it wasn't like a few bits of dead pig. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was weird to be like <laughs> putting it. But, but yeah, my bag was on top of a dead pig, and that was like you know, <laughs> I do. But the, the stories you bring home, though, that's that's uh, that's what it's yeah. all about, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's definitely a sort of a philosophy I've tried to stick to in terms of like life is pretty short and. As in you're the only person who gets to experience your whole story. So even if you're just telling the story to yourself, it may as well be as interesting as possible. And like each day you get to write a page about what happened today. And it's like, well, what would be like a really fun page to happen? And when you get like the two choices, like it's always go for like the crazy one that's like interesting as opposed to, oh, and I didn't get in a weird van that was full of dead animals <laughs> today because of it looked scary. I just sort of said no and politely declined. Like, <laughs> that's not an interesting story. It's like, oh, I jumped in and then was like, shit, why have I jumped in? And anyway kind of it's this yeah yeah philosophy i feel and you survived that's good you <laughs> yeah you are um i guess i don't know if you can really frame yourself as as being one thing but computer programmer is that correct are you a programmer of the yes okay okay yes all right um, <laughs> yes <but> like <laughs> plus you know, more I how slow i am i'm just like definitely it's not my strong point and i'm quite good at algorithms but uh, it's take a long time to put the whole thing together. So uh, it was quite nice. Like um, on my current business, it's a tech business. I was building, doing the code for the first few months and got stuff together, but it's been much nicer employing people to to do that now. Right. Yeah. I've been focusing on it. So I wouldn't say I'm like a pro programmer exactly. I see. I would say like junior mid-level <laughs> 
Okay. And the reason why I ask is because doing something like programming, which I, I don't, but I know computer mm. programmers, it seems like almost the opposite side of the continuum from, you know, hitchhiking across Kazakhstan. Mm. You know, they're, they're, that's a very diverse and broad range of activities that you that you have in life. And I was just, yeah. I'm just wondering how, I mean, you just seem to be, you, you do everything. You do everything that, that you want to do that you need to do. It's just very interesting to me because I don't know if you realize this or not, but most people do not have that same approach to, to life. You know, we tend to get in our, our little niche, you know, we, we get into that thing that we might be good at or something we're interested in. And we tend to, we tend to hyper-focus on that. And that's what we do. You know, that's, and there, and there might be three mm. or four things that we do, but to go from one extreme to the other seems very, very interesting to me. And I'm just wondering if you have any more insight into how that mindset came about. Did you have, you know, people that influenced you in, in your early mm. life and, and you thought, Hey, I want to, I want to be like that. Or was it just a thing that you, that you gravitated towards and it kind of just spiraled from there or what happened there? Yeah. I think some of it's kind of innate as in I, I was really excited by being a surgeon when I was like 16, 17. Mm. And I do really like cutting things up and just sort of the adrenaline of uh, something really serious going on. It's like I get quite calm in those scenarios. So I, I thought I'd really like surgery. But then the idea of going to medical school for like eight years and then being a surgeon for the rest of your life was like, wait, this is like the rest of my life is too defined. And like, I just innately like the randomness and the opportunity to completely def change what I'm defined by. And I, I've never, as in, I, I jump into things and do them really full on. But then as soon as people are like, oh, Sam, Sam's the guy that does this. I'm always like, ooh, I don't, I don't like being the guy that just does that. And I kind of want to do something else apart from it's got to the point now where I'm like, I'm the guy that just does like way too many things. And I'm like, actually, I need to be the guy that actually perhaps stands for something a bit more as so I actually get good at something as opposed to being a bit of a hectic nightmare. Um, so that's why I was saying like, I want to have like my indestructible theme for this year and be a bit more better at executing on stuff mm -hmm. perhaps. Uh, but I'm trying to think of when I was a kid, why, what might have pushed me into that mindset um but it's hard to it's hard to think about in terms of i guess just always partly with dyslexia i guess perhaps it's in never really accepting how you're being taught about things or just not so much not accepting it's just not really getting any results from the way you're taught and just being very self-sufficient and doing things you just have like a rebellious nature you just kind of assume that whatever you're being told is kind of wrong or whatever you should do so as soon as you get defined by something that's what you should do so i kind of do the opposite or i mean i tried lots of drugs as a kid but then as soon as i felt like if you take cocaine like it immediately makes you want to take more and as soon as i feel like i'm something's making me do something i'm like no so i never had an issue with getting addicted to anything because it'd be like oh i don't want to do this anymore as soon as it, something tells me i have to do it so i don't like restrictions or feeling like I should do something, I guess. Yeah. That's interesting that you mentioned the, the, the drugs, the way that cocaine mm. just, it, it, its goal is to make you want to do more cocaine. And then after yeah. that, you want to do more. And so that's a very restrictive process. And that's, of course, you mentioned it, how a lot of people become addicted. And that was the reason why you didn't keep taking it is because mm. you could felt that drive from the, the substance itself. Yeah. It's a, 
I guess it's a good quality if you want to try all the different drugs without worrying about getting addicted to them. <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, I now know what like most of them are like, which is great, and don't need to take them again. Yeah. Uh, I like the the psychedelics. Uh, still, I mean, I don't want to take them like too much mm-hmm. at all. Um, but I feel like some experiments, are, like maybe like once a year on sort of acid or shrooms, is kind of healthy, just to kind of get out your brain a little bit and see the world from like completely different perspectives. Uh, but if you do it like a lot, then it's just constantly just having like too many huge epiphanies of how to change your life, and you kind of need to have some kind of basis of actually following up on these things. Yeah. Are those reused in these yeah. retreats, those retreats and stuff that you do, or no? Or is it just uh, you and your mind? I haven't done any of those. So like the silent meditation retreats, no. Um, I think at one point, I think like day six, probably felt like um, and I did this one two hour session where it literally felt like my entire body was just sort of like exploding or something. It was really weird. And you can kind of get to that sort of somehow state internally, which is pretty amazing. But um, I've never done an ayahuasca retreat. That's definitely on the list of things to go and do at some point. Mm. They sound insane. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. Have you read Michael Pollan, How to Change Your Mind? I have not. It's a, it's a book about like uh, drugs and how you can use them to like positively change your mind for like therapy of depression mm-hmm. or just coming over something where it's like a breakup or because you're like a moody person and or whatever it is um but yeah having uh guided drug experiences i think can be really beneficial i haven't really tried it with any drug specifically but i've had like i've been taking things with like intention mm-hmm. but i've never tried but then some people have tried like mdma and that stuff like for during the day just for like talking therapy and stuff and probably would be good because i think you're a bit more expressive but mm-hmm. yeah maybe at one point i'll try it Let's the, see. over in the states now where they're finally coming to the conclusion that drugs like psilocybin and even mdma have this huge therapeutic yeah. value you know and though it's not like what you would consider probably a guided you know trip um, it is, in fact, mm-hmm. being used for, for purposes of opening up the mind and kind of rooting out some of the negativity, being able to, to see things that you are in and, you know, sense things that you wouldn't normally. They're using it uh, for like war veterans and stuff, too, right? For like PTSD and stuff. I, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's been really good. Yeah. So um, it, it's about time, you know, it's it's there. there I guess there are a lot of folks who um, you consider partying on even the psychedelics. Um, but they mm. really have a, a, a therapeutic nature about them. They're, they're, it should be about an experience that is that epiphany, and it kind of opens up some doors for you to, um, it, it can guide you through your times where you're not on that particular substance. Um, you should be able to, it should reverberate through those times it, because of that door that you opened from that experience. And I think I think it seems like to me more people are, are understanding that now, even in the, the more professional scientific communities and not just your typical hippie type of, you know, drug yeah. users. Definitely. I think it kind of just got a bad rap of people using it for enjoyment. And then if people do get addicted and stuff and then it does have problems, but we kind of just ignored all the medical beneficial sides of it just because mm-hmm. it sort of seemed a bit too like airy fairy or for the wrong purposes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely getting a good, better looking from science now, which is great. And mm-hmm. I think like the work Tim Ferriss and other people doing to find that stuff is really cool. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah, exciting times. I think in 10 years, we'll have a very different perspective in terms of the legalities of it all. And um, yeah, it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. 
looking forward to see where that takes us. But uh, um, yeah, but I mean, there's also just the ever growing wave of depression and anxiety and pointlessness of all our lives is is kind of a bad thing. So we'll see if it counteracts or not. Right. Or if we just all get lost in like the world of VR. Like <laughs> seventy things to happen. Yeah, there's there's another yeah. another rabbit hole that we could definitely venture down. Yeah, you know? <laughs> the, the plugging into the matrix. But like, in, you know mm. what we've been talking about thus far. There's a lot of things that I think is is a way for a person to really find themselves. And for a lot of people, that's tough. You know, being on a silent retreat, mm. which I've never been once again. Um, I do practice mindfulness meditation. And even that sometimes is difficult because of the self that is always, you know, kind of floating around in there, so to speak. And it's, you know, those, those demons, those, those things that, uh, that tend to pop up. I could just imagine 10 days having to deal with your own self and only yourself and, and the pains of your body and, and your dead legs and those things, or, or being in, um, any of the places where you've been, including climbing the mountain where it's really you, yeah. you versus you. Um, have, have you, would you say that you could frame it as if you've, you have found yourself or you found, um, you know, that, that thing, that, that construct, have you been able to kind of dissect that and really know who Sam Harris is? I think you can't ever truly know exactly who you are because we're constantly changing and but I've become very comfortable with who I am and accepted a lot of things. And I certainly don't try to change myself to suit what's going on or like, I'm pretty confident of like, okay, this is how I am and like pretty happy with that. And so, yes, I've definitely become way more self-confident in the way I am and don't really question it as much, which has been really, really lucky as in I'm still quite young and but I've had so much time to myself and doing pretty crazy stuff is it's like kind of amazing so I as in it sounds a bit up yourself to say that you've truly found yourself in these things so I don't really want to say yes yeah. <laughs> exactly but I um so next I'm still constantly learning and every day you look back at like even the day before and you can look at like mistakes and things that you're like improving on but um you definitely get some really deep introspection on on the vipassana side of things especially in the first few days when you realize you have like no control of your brain and it's not a difficult instruction sit still follow your breath just just listen to yourself breathe in and out and literally you can't do it for more than a few seconds and you're like what the hell is my brain doing i have no control over this thing and this is a thing that like it controls my life and it, and i can't tell it to do what i wanted to do it just does <laughs> random shit all the day and you're like wow that's kind of interesting to think about because <laughs> how much control do i really have what i why am i doing all these things and yeah it's really helpful to kind of give you that perspective and but then you also you see what the things are that your brain wants to think about a lot and it's sort of like a you spend the first three or four days just getting to terms with like just your current stuff and then by like the fifth sixth day you've got rid of all like the just the day-to-day chattery nonsense that goes on and like the recent stuff and that's where you get into like the deep 
who the hell you are and why you're at these ways and why stuff's always been like that in your life and stuff. And that's where you kind of really go deep on working on who you are and when that stuff kind of comes out. And once you start dealing with that, that's when you you then start to be able to achieve like the actual quiet meditation because of there's like these demons and whatever inside of you that you've come out and you've like actually looked at and be like, okay, that's why I do this thing. I can just do it differently or you can accept it as it is. Or it's, yeah, it's really cool. It's a super powerful process to go through mm-hmm. and it's like the, the the doing a bit of meditation each day is, is really useful but it's in no way the same uh so yeah it's hard to really explain and yeah i kind of definitely missing it at the moment because I, I was meant to go and do one uh, in a few weeks time and because i haven't done one in like two years and i'm like shit because <laughs> it's all been cancelled with coronavirus again um mm. But yeah, maybe you guys want to go and do one now. <laughs> we'll see. I'm, I, I'm interested for sure. I would love to. I, I really would. Um, it it definitely mean, makes me curious. nervous, though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Find, finding out what's was... really going on up here in this brain. It, I don't know if that's mm. a good idea or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he knows. Like, it took me a while to, to do it. Except I hadn't really heard about it. And then when I was traveling around for that year, like the first I interviewed, three people on my podcast who had all done it and I, I interviewed them just because they were really cool people that I'd met and I thought they were super interesting and when I was like okay three of the most interesting nice people that I've met in this year have all done this thing I was like okay, I should probably go and do it but like the first person was like he told me about it I was like wow this guy's just a crazy weirdo why is he sat still for a thing and like I didn't really do it by the second I'm like well maybe I should think about it but now it just sounds stupid why would I take 10 days out of my life to do nothing and by the third one I was like oh wait there's a really big theme here of like all the coolest people that I've met have all done this thing and they say it's the best thing they've ever done with their life like okay i still haven't quite worked out what i'm going to get out of this but like i'm just too curious to not go and do it and even if it's just hard and shit like it'll just be hard and i get to have done a hard thing i guess so that's kind of why i went and did it Hmm. because i still couldn't work out why i would do it besides the challenge but then when i did it i was like oh holy shit this is the best thing i've ever done and um yeah so i guess that was again on the theme of being scared of something and doing it and then being like, oh, wow, there's so much more good from facing this scary thing. So you, you, you probably already answered this, but refresh me if you would. What, what, why was it the best thing that you've ever done? What, what really did you get out of it? Uh, I realized a lot more sort of about myself and life and made me a lot karma and like i said around like the whole pain thing you just gave you it just buys you so much more time to think about why you're feeling something and not react so you're less reactive and more um deliberate in what you do and can have some logic and stuff and you kind of you get to gamify life by the end of it you sort of you have these things that are annoying you and you realize that if you spend enough time thinking about it, you can logic yourself out of being annoyed about anything pretty much. And it's kind of like when you can start getting annoyed, you're like, okay, there's no reason to be annoyed. I'm just being stupid. And you can kind of come up with a logical argument as to why life doesn't need to be annoying or that you cannot be stressed. And I guess like one thing that like I had a lot of sort of, various like epiphanies on the way to this but one thing that uh, like a nice story was during my 
travels before I got to this thing, one of the guys I interviewed, who's like a super nice guy, I had been um, staying at his house and he had like this new kitchen. And then like later I'd gone to stay with my sister who also had like a new kitchen because um, she lived in Australia at the time. And uh, when I was in her kitchen, I was always kind of afraid that I was going to do something bad because she was constantly like, Sam, don't mess up with this. And like, and it was just kind of like worrying and stressful the whole time being in a kitchen if I ever like left a mark somewhere and stuff. And it was kind of kind of odd. But then in this guy's house who like I'd arrived at him, I'd literally met him once before I went to Malaysia to meet him. And he just like let me stay in his house for the month, gave me the keys car I was just like do whatever the hell you want it was like too nice and super relaxed and everything and then one day we'd gone to the cinema together and we'd been like boiling these beans in his new kitchen and we'd forgotten about them I'd gone to the cinema came home and they'd like overboiled, and this like black tar had like gone all the way down his new cupboards it had like burned into his sort of oven on the top and it just smelled so horrendous when we walked in it was just like this is like burnt kind of like hair smell all over his kitchen and then it had gone under his cupboards and it was just like the worst thing you could do to someone's new kitchen it like ruined his pan and everything and and I was expecting him to kind of be like holy shit what have you done to my my kitchen and be angry and like be annoyed or something and then he was just like oh well I've got to go to bed because like I've got to get up early tonight and he just like had a protein shake because he was on some things and just went to bed and he had this thing on the next morning because he had to give a speech and he got up early and did a good job of a speech. And so me and my mate were like, shit, like did everything we could to like fix his kitchen. And like by the time he got back the next day, we bought him like a new blitter for his protein shakes and stuff. And he was totally fine about it. And like, so I was just, I kind of thought he might be a bit stupid from, from like his <laughs> lack of react to it at the time. But it was really nice. But then like, I realized in the past, I was like, okay, what he did was like fucking mind wizard level nuts shit because he could have got annoyed and shouted at us. He could have spent the whole night being angry and frustrated at the kitchen and not slept well and given a shit speech the next day. It would have been awkward because we'd have like probably ruined our relationship. We'd have probably just left or something if he shouted at us lots and like relationship would have been over. He wouldn't have got like his new protein shaker, like blender thing that we bought for him. He just made his life shit by getting annoyed. But instead he just didn't get annoyed at all and just had a good night's sleep, had a good life, woke up the next day, everything was fixed. Plus he got some new shit and like we liked him even more because if he didn't shout at us. So his life got better by not getting annoyed hmm. instead of doing the thing that every human would have done. Like my sister, who is a lovely human, but like would have got annoyed. I would have got annoyed if somebody just potentially like ruined my new kitchen. And it's like, okay, you definitely shouldn't get annoyed so much. <laughs> and then it was kind of like, yeah. So your reactions are just not always that useful when you can think about it. So that was like a holy shit. This guy actually was really a wizard when I, I kind of just thought he was stupid a little bit until like I was in the middle of that fast and something. I was thinking about how I used to get annoyed about people in my Airbnb kitchen sometimes. And I was like, Bob never gets annoyed. What's going on there? And yeah, so that was an example of one of the revelations, one, one meditation sitting that I had. Mm -hmm. do, do you have any opinions on free will? Do we do we honestly have any free will as a human being? I'm getting somewhere with this, but I need to know your opinion first. Um, it depends on uh, as in we're kind of just all of one big chemical reaction on that sense of thing, and whatever's going on in your brain is sort of going to happen in that sense. But uh, as in your entire life up to now is kind of dictated what mindsets you have and what you're going to do next. And you didn't really get to choose that as such. 
so it's it's a very confusing but interesting debate because also whatever you are doing you are choosing and you can change your circumstances based on what you think and i don't like um one-sided black and white answers to things i think everything's a bit not just like a murky shaded gray but like a an intricate pattern of the both that kind of forms a picture or something and i i'd say it's it's like, it's like a, it's a mix of okay you are defined by what's happened to you and what else is going on in the world and your environment very much dictates things but you still do influence the way things are so you definitely should have like full ownership of everything that does happen to you in the future and all this stuff and I, i'm interested to think to see what you guys think on this well but certainly what in the matrix series is always a fun one absolutely well yeah absolutely uh, well, when you were talking about meditation, and, and it reminds me of being able to basically, in a sense, see that flow of consciousness as it arises, you know, in, in the construct of your mind, um, and, and how that is, because I often say, I don't use, I don't use the, the term no free will or lack of free will, uh, but I do believe that we're, we're a slave to our experience. And there's a reason why what pops up next in my flow of consciousness, there's a reason why that happens, and it's, it's based from my experience. And so an experience is a moving thing, right? It's a flow. It keeps going forward. Um, so I, I do believe that there's a Goldilocks, a free will, a Goldilocks zone. You know, I, I, I didn't get to choose where I was born, what country, uh, what, you know, um, what family I was born to. I'm, I was born a male. You know, there's all these things I had absolutely no say in whatsoever. Um, and then there's other on the on the very far end of the continuum on, on that uh, lack of free will. You know, I'm made up of all these cells and these little micro things that are crawling all inside of me and on top of me and all these these organs that function without me having to tell them what to do. In that sense, I, I really I, I have little free will as well. But there's you know, I do have the the ability to make choices, everyday choices. Um, I have the ability to know what's right or wrong. Now, if you want to split that hair even more so, um, there's a reason why I think something is right and something is wrong. And that also is included in that flow of consciousness. So when I'm presented with something, then there's this thing in my mind that says, okay, you should or shouldn't do this based off of the moral compass that I possess. And I, you know, once again, that's, that's based from me being a slave to my experience. Um, and so I was just wondering your thoughts on, on the, the flow of consciousness, since no doubt during your, your long retreat there in meditation, and your ongoing practice, I'm sure you're able to kind of see, you know, consciousness and its and its parts. You know, you can see um, when you can get that quiet time, which I'm sure you'll get some over these next ten days when you're retreating from the human civilization. Um, you're going to be able to see that flow of consciousness, you know, to to that degree. And but you also make so many choices, and you've made choices. What what really triggered this was you were talking about how. Um, people telling you things, you weren't going to be complacent with that. And you weren't going to basically settle for just average. Um, you're going to push yourself. You don't want to be stereotyped, put in a box. Those are you making those decisions, making those choices, and not just um, doing what's been presented to you or being what's been presented to you. Um, but at the same time, there's a reason why you're your flow of consciousness is presenting those thoughts into your mind as well. So it's a very complex problem or or or, or yeah. discussion at, at the very least but i was just i was very curious Definitely. about your insight into that because you are um mm. you're, you're a person who has such diverse interests and and you do a lot of adventurous things and always pushing yourself to do more and at the same time 
you're wanting to slow down and do less and be more focused. And so all mm. those choices are obviously deliberate. And I was curious about where your kind of where your uh, where your thoughts lie on that. Yeah, well, I guess like I was saying, you can kind of logic yourself out of any negative thoughts. So as in, like I said, like you can not be angry and you think about it long enough. Or like I mentioned earlier about uh, if you think about death as like a naught and anything unhappy is less than that. So like, why would you spend yourself being unhappy? And everything that you experience is your own choice internally, for sure. And if you look at people like David Goggins and stuff and like the life that he had, uh, or certainly like myself, I've, I've met people that have had similar bad experiences to me and then reacted in completely different ways. And it sort of maybe hasn't <laughs> like maybe facing their fears hasn't helped them and sort of like just put them like further down. It's just given like another excuse to like be a failure or something. And it's like, you definitely have the choice of how you react and go forwards, but I'm not sure how much of that comes from actually like your genes and from like the environment of how you were brought up, like we spoke about as in, was it something that actually made me be more like this way or I, I don't know. And if maybe I think most people, if they did get put on it for passing, they would have a much better mindset and make better choices with the rest of their life having done it. But some people actually would do react badly to too much time with their brain and things. And it's a it's a kind of endless <laughs> you can kind of argue both sides i think till the sun comes home and i guess you have the choice to stop arguing and then accept it and <laughs> but i think uh, the important thing is to not be unempowered by the world and the fact that like, like i was saying is in like our lives are increasingly sort of useless and meaningless and you always have the choice to actually yeah find meaning for yourself in different ways and part of that is choosing to be positive and doing the things that excite you maybe that is staying and doing the same thing every day because you like doing it and focusing or maybe it's doing completely different shit as rapidly as possible and working out what is is right for you and and doing it basically um yeah i, I guess i would go with that <laughs> <laughs> Colt, you want to jump in? I'm good. No. I, think, I think you have. <laughs> if, if, well, if I jump in here, we're going to have. Did you a, choose to say nothing? Or uh, was that like. <laughs> he's, he's expressing his free will right now. That, that, mm. it, that is free will, Colt, what you just did. So, yeah, it, it is a tough conversation, but it, it also, you know, it kind of cascades for me into uh, meaning, you know, because if mm. if, if I'm predestined then, or predetermined, then what is my meaning? How do I find that? Or, or am I, am I given just enough leeway to shape my own? So have you found not just the meaning of life? Because that's a very general and broad question. Like what is the meaning <laughs> of life? Well, I mean, it depends on where you're coming from. If you're a no. frog, the meaning yeah. of life means you, you know, you hop around and, and you, uh, you find flies and you find some water and that's, that's your life. But if you're a human being, it's a little bit more complex, a little, di a little bit different. We have the awareness, we have the consciousness to be able to ponder what the meaning of life is. And therefore, since we can ask the question, then we can grow from that and shape and, and develop ourselves into what that, you know, what that idea really, it really is, really means 
and hopefully to the best of our intentions. You know, you take your moral compass, you point it to the direction that it's, you know, that you feel like it should go. Um, try to be the best person you can, and you construct your meaning from there. But um, there's a meaning to my life that I'm more interested in right now. You know, or, or I, I ask people, mm-hmm. what is the meaning of your life? You know, because that's, that's an yeah. even stricter definition. What is the meaning of your life? Why are you here? What are you doing? How are you shaping that? So, Sam, let me ask you, what, what is the meaning of your life? Not to put you on the spot at all, but yeah. What, what? No, no, cool. I'll just completely evade it by answering a different question about meaning. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> uh, no, no. I think, I think I'll get there. But I think that is one thing that a lot of people are struggling with is what is the meaning of their life? And like I said, they were sort of just mind-fucking myself at like, how the hell have I got this weird yogurt, stupid combination going on? And just how meaningless our lives are becoming as okay, there's just so much pointlessness to what we do at this level because there's so many more humans that it's hard to really do something sort of crazy amazing in that sense as in so many records or like new worlds have been discovered or like science advancements and stuff. It's it's harder and harder to make a mark on humanity as a human and that's something that really does give you meaning. And as in we really love being understood and appreciated and needed and it's kind of harder and harder to get people to pay attention to you as we have got like the attention economy and it's more more to being attracted to others or we think about like instagram and stuff like a blog that i've started writing is sort of the world like you like the world a like hundred times more than it likes you in terms of the amount of like celebrities that people follow and stuff where like they're getting all these likes but then like, there's so much less attention on you it's kind of like okay you feel quite meaningless when that happens and it's very hard to really feel like you're doing something, especially, well, there's just, if you look at like what most jobs are, like, okay, you're, you're transporting people around the world or like, why do people need to travel? Or if you guess they're going on holiday, but like, what's the point? Or do people need to have like an extra flavor on their pizza topping compared to like the normal pizza? And it's, it's all just quite abstract and kind of pointless. And like when we were when there was less obvious and less people were sort of educated life was like a lot simpler and okay you're the person that like bakes bread and that's cool because no one else in the village bakes bread and you're pretty defined by that meaning you know people used to have the name baker because like that was the important role in like the society they were in and like they felt like they had a place mm-hmm. and so it's it's quite yeah when you start looking at it well, like whatever you're doing is is pretty minuscule in the meaningness of humanity and so yeah it's kind of overwhelming when you look too deeply into it yeah. <laughs> i think but in terms of my own me then i guess i sorry <laughs> you, we can carry on in this tangent for a bit before i go back to myself if you want i'm happy with that <laughs> <laughs> it is it is very subjective and i i was just curious to know um where where your thoughts lie on that because um, like I said, you're just an adventurous guy. And I don't, I don't actually, I think this is the first time I've ever personally talked to someone who's been on a, a 10 day meditation retreat like that. I've heard, you know, I listen to other podcasts and, and, and I've heard other people talk about things like that. So, um, one of the main reasons why Colt and I do this podcast is, is th- for learning. You know, we, we started it out more to give, uh, our, our idea was to give a platform for ideas that, uh, so there wasn't, uh, this, this argumentative, you know, approach 
one person disagreeing with the other and cutting each other off and so on and so forth. So we just wanted to give a, a calmer platform for disagreeing ideas. Um, it ended up pretty quickly, though, that we realized that we're, we can learn. This is a learning experience for me as well as for our listeners. And we like to kind of delve into the the inner person of the people that we have the opportunity to meet and talk with and, and learn from your experiences. And so um, hence the questions on, on such things like that. I, w- I was curious as to where you would take off and go with that. Um, for myself, you know, and the, it, at first it sounds selfless, but let me finish because I'm not a completely selfless person by far. Um, I, I have learned that the, one of the biggest factors of me, of my identity, which identity is another great conversation to, to rabbit hole down. Where do you find your identity? How did you come to it? So on and so forth. But I found that my identity is really linked into helping other people. And by helping, I'm not talking necessarily like giving in charity or things like that. I'm referring to like, um, magnifying other people, you know, being uh, like a coach. Uh, I work in the mental health field. And so a lot of what I do is helping people to think differently than what they do um, because their brains are disordered or something along those lines. Um, But also I coach on things like career choices and and relationships and things like that. And I'm also a coach for for the staff who, who I oversee as well and manage. Uh, and to be able to see them kind of take off because of the perspective and, and the motivation that you instill into them is actually what I'm good at. So having said that, I've come a long way to get to this point to know that's what I'm good at. That's kind of my meaning, my meaning in life, so to speak, um, because sometimes I want credit, too. Sometimes I'd, I'd like to be able to step back and say, you know what, I did this and, I, and I'm a badass. I, I did that and I'm good at it. You know, I, I want to be able to at least within myself, I want to be able to stroke that ego a little bit. It never tends to work out for me, though. It never, it just never works out for me. So I'm almost kind of pigeonholed into this meaning of life. It's a good one. I'm not complaining about it. Um, but it's, it's just something that was kind of handed to me because uh, I'm not good at being egotistical. Not really. I'm not good at being selfish. When I do, things don't work out properly. So it's almost just a matter of attrition that I came to my meaning of life. Um, but it's once again, it's a good one. I wouldn't trade it because, you know, it is something that I can actually kind of talk about and not feel like I'm a selfish asshole in the process because I am in fact, you know, trying to magnify others. And so the, the meaning of life to me is it's not just a, it's not just this, this thought experiment that you go down and try to figure out what would be the ideal, uh, the, the, the best thing that I could possibly think of that, that would make me shine as a person or whatever. It's actually kind of a, a, a collaboration of my own thoughts, my own ideals, as well as the experience I've had and taking into account what I am good at and how I can, how I can, you know, help not just myself, but other people. So just kind of this big matrix of, of different um, ideals that are mine and also that were given to me by life, I guess, by the cosmos, if you will. Um, so yeah, just an interesting subject in, in my opinion, I, mm. a rabbit hole that I, I tend to uh, go down myself. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, that certainly get the impression that you'd be good at uh, coaching people and getting the best out of people. You do ask interesting questions and things. And um, that's something I've certainly found a lot of meaning in myself, which also I think partly led to me playing the podcast as in I, um, I coached a friend's little sister who was like failing all her exams. And like I was meant to be like actually specifically helping her with the specific subject, but like it was more like mindset coaching of actually teaching her that she wasn't stupid and that 
if you wanted to pass and she could just do the work and like there's nothing stopping her from being smart just because she's at a shit, a shit school and then she ended up getting like top marks and everything and got like a funding scholarship to her uni and it was like holy shit i like changed the way she thought and she went and did that it was like crap i can do this for so many people so that really changed the way i thought about um things and i've just always been like whenever people talk about problems i'm always like on it like yeah let's fix this which is cool but like i think something i have noticed now is like perhaps like a little bit too much coaching when sometimes people just want to like vent their problems mm -hmm. and like i've never really understood why people complain because it's like oh it's just wasting your time if you're not going to do anything about it and uh trying to better understand and empathize what people actually want when they're talking rather than just trying to solve their problems instantly is something i'm trying to get better at or also understanding like that i don't always necessarily know what's best for them and having a, like, a bit less sort of ego and around like just because if I know that this would work, maybe a different thing works for them and just being much more open with my coaching around like questioning them of like, okay, what, what do you really want to, um, and why and rather than you should do this because if I think it works for you because it's what works for me because actually I'm a bit weird. Maybe what works for me isn't what's going to work for you mm. kind of thing. Um, but that's part of what I define meaning, get meaning from it. I just really love learning, I guess. And I certainly have a bit of a complexity around like wanting to change the world in some way. Like I was talking about like someone having a stamp, which you sort of probably need to recognize that you're not going to do anything on that area, which is sort of a confusing one around. You shouldn't give up on your dreams, but you also shouldn't be disappointed when crazy big things don't happen, I guess, because otherwise you get depressed. Um, and then otherwise, yeah, it's just like relationships and just making sure you have enough time to enjoy things with people and being social as well as working on it really excite you is just trying to find that balance um i think basically everything in life can come down to like finding the right balance on the thing like if you do something too much it's bad if you don't do it enough it's bad and yeah working like you should work hard but too much is bad mm. not enough is bad uh, speaking yeah, you need to find the right balance on that. Otherwise, you're just talking the whole time and you're pretty annoying to be around. Um, <laughs> if you only ever listen, then yeah. Right. It's like the same way because like I used to listen all the time, but then like people thought I was a bit stupid because I was always listening and having like these amazing thoughts, but no one knew about them because I would never speak. And that wasn't very useful either. And like you're talking about sort of wanting to talk about yourself. So I found that quite hard ego-wise. I just, like, I mean, I didn't like speaking or like drawing attention to myself. And I always feel a bit weird, like posting things on social media or talking about myself in like a good way. It's, it's, it doesn't come naturally, but actually the people that do talk about their skills and what they're good at, like people listen to them a bit more because they probably think that they have skills. Whereas if you don't ever say that, like no one thinks that you have any. And it's kind of trying to find balance in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Very good points. And I would say that uh, you have definitely the you have the def definitely the foundation for due to your experience for being able to make a bigger impact probably than what you give yourself credit for. It seems like to me. Um, and so I, I I'm curious where you see yourself in the next 10 years. You have any, you, you have that long term of a goal. Do you have a, a vision of what Sam Harris uh, is doing 10 years <laughs> from now? Um, so I guess, I've always wanted to make things happen more effectively, which is why I've run businesses 
and I just want to be able to do that much faster. Uh, and it's kind of hard before you've had something like really big and successful to kind of get like investment and money to kind of do these things. But then, so I'm hoping with my current business that I kind of get the flywheel going in terms of, okay, I, I can actually sort of do something that becomes like a multi-million pound business and mm -hmm. can sell it and then start having more ideas and, and make different things happen. Cause there's a lot of different sort of flywheels I want to kick off in sort of science environment and stuff. And then being like a general positive force for people's mindsets and encouraging them to do cool stuff, but then generally kind of ethics and like all areas. Yeah. <laughs> so, so trying to work out where I can be effective at them because there's no point trying to do everything all at once. Um, so one side is definitely on the business side, being able to like invest in founders that are doing cool things or actually start businesses myself without it, like taking my entire being just to do the one thing because it's um, kind of slow. I'd like to have like multiple businesses running at once. So that's more like five years time. I'm not expecting it to happen straight away. Then the other side is just creativity as in um, something I kind of, it can, I can come across like I overthink things a lot and it's hard to sort of explain, but I guess it's something I'm, I want to write about. I think it's like, like I wanted to find myself as being an explosive thinker and that I just think it's not just like overthinking or something and this makes it worse for yourself. It's like thinking from all different directions on stuff. And so even when I used to learn guitar, like I said, I, I can remember things I've written. I can't remember stuff I'm taught as in, I kind of would constantly just be trying things and just writing stuff automatically. And I feel like I've got some unfinished business in like music. So I do want to like spend like three months locked in a cabin somewhere and just like record an album at some point and just make something that I'm really happy with because I've written so much stuff that I really enjoy playing and it's nice. Just haven't ever given myself the time and focus to go and do that. So that's the other main project at some point in the next 10 years. And otherwise I want to do some ultra marathons and some something really difficult. Um, do you say on the fitness side? Ultra math? Is that what you said? Ultra marathon. Ultra, ultra marathon. Marathons. Okay. I yeah. was thinking math. That sounded terrible. Ultra math. <laughs> ultra math. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm up on that side. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to the uh, the Sam Harris solo album uh, that drops Sweet. sometime in the next couple of years. But hey, before yeah. before we let you go, <laughs> before we let you go, are you open to talk about Syncify? Any is that something that's uh, yeah conversation yeah, we can have? Tell us about Syncify, man, because I'm definitely as a podcaster, cool. I'm definitely uh, interested. I I don't know what it meant, but I signed up on the wait list. Um, nice. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm I'm waiting for it. I guess. But tell us about that, cool. that platform that you're building. So Syncify was just an answer to some of the problems that I was having in podcasting. Uh, so initially as a listener, I just found it very frustrating being just in this like silo by myself whenever I listen to podcasts of, I'm on this app, but I have no idea what other people are listening to or where they're at or what's good. And it's very hard. And so it's just, initially a social network for listening to, to podcasts so you can see your friends and interact with them and you can see what they've liked what they didn't like you can send each other like highlights of the best bits and talk about stuff and engage over the content and let's say like you happen to be listening at some time in the morning and i'm like out for a run in the evening i could actually see what you're listening to at that point in time and actually just join you in that episode and just listen together and maybe afterwards you know you've listened to some really cool entertainment for your cerebrum and we could maybe have a chat about it afterwards because of we both finish at the same point and it's just a chance to really 
go further on the stuff that you listen to because I just found it super annoying that I listen to all these things and then I just forget it. It, it kind of just goes in and then like, I do nothing with it because I don't talk to anyone about it. I don't. I can't share my opinions. Like, and it's just sort of it's a bit of a waste of time in many ways. Whereas when you talk with people about what you're learning, you get to see their perspectives on the thing. You get to like cement your own perspectives and like go much deeper on those thoughts because you're actually cementing them and actually doing something with them to like turn them into words to tell to someone else. So as a learning tool, it was something really, I really wanted. And so that's like the first stage is just making it so that you can engage with your friends and communities and learn more. And then once you've got that, you can then go on to the sort of making it much better for podcasters as creators, because one, they can engage with their audience better. If they're making really good content, people are talking about it and sharing it so it grows better. But then also you can monetize it better because currently if you want to charge people for extra content, I think it's really difficult because you have to give them a Patreon link, which is on a different website, which they have to go to. And then they have to kind of take that to another app and they have to not be running at the time when you sort of tell them to go to that link, which they probably are running and then they're not actually able to bother to go and do the thing. But if you just one click with a button, get like the thing that you want to listen to, it's like, okay, actually, yeah, I would pay for some of the content that is out there. So it makes it easier to commercialize. And especially when you engage with the audience, you can do other things like sell swag or like have people come and talk to you and just the thing. So trying to make it easier for podcasters to commercialize because you basically can't make any money as a podcaster until you get to like the 10,000 downloads an episode point and then mm-hmm. great you can start putting adver- adverts on your show but maybe you don't want adverts anyway because of that kind of shit and mm-hmm. so trying to make that better as a podcaster experience and, and then like in the next level sort of third step once we've solved those first two I'm still currently in the first stage of the business but like the long long term is like if you think of Twitter was like microblogging, they called it. So like allowing anyone to sort of express themselves in work back when it used to just be blogs where you could kind of talk about things and have an audience. And I think the world's going more into audio and like so many more people are starting podcasts. But if you think about, okay, on WhatsApp, people are, are sending more voice messages and stuff. But actually, I don't want to listen to like a 10 minute voice message from my mate on stuff because if I'm kind of in WhatsApp, I'm trying to send messages and just communicate quickly. But I do actually want to listen to like more depth of what's going on in people's lives and stuff. So if you could make it easy for people to make like five, 10 minute podcasts and stuff, like I kind of would, because or even on Instagram stories, it's like, I don't want to watch like a really long video of someone. Like I'm happy with like a quick, like flick through things, but I'm on Instagram. I'm like, I'm flicking. Whereas when I'm actually going for a run, I've got time to listen to stuff. I actually, I would listen to my friends for a longer amount of period if I could have like some updates on them. So allowing more people to, to create shorter content podcast of like of interest stuff just on their life just for like your friends and things i think is going to be a really big sort of like social wave of audio Mm. that's going to happen and so trying to position ourselves to allow like anyone to be creators um not necessarily for a huge audience but you'd still have like a bigger people and things so like a real like social audio network of the future is also something that we think we'll go into Maybe by the third stage, but maybe we'll, we'll just be busy with the first two things. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, that's kind of what's going on. Yeah, sounds great, man. I've already, like I said, I, I joined the wait list and, and um, looked at the at the landing site there. Um, and I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I want to see what comes to fruition there. So, you know, anything that it's, it's so in essence, let me see if I can frame it. It's like a like a social network for podcasting podcasters, right? Yes. Yeah. To say that. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> right. 
Well, Sam, we really appreciate you coming on today, man, and, and bearing with us while we have technical difficulties to get this this show on the road. Um, uh, oh, this fa- is nice. <laughs> fantastic discussion, man, uh, and uh, hopefully we can stay in contact. When you when you come back to civilization, we'll uh, see how things went. Maybe I'll drop you a, a message and, and make sure you, yeah. <laughs> that you are, in fact, coming back nuts. to civilization this time. Yeah. Not just staying away because you like the, the quiet so much, but uh, I'm sure you mm-hmm. have plenty of projects that you want to do to get back to work on when you get focused and ready so yeah man great to meet you thanks again for for coming on we appreciate it yeah thanks a lot guys it's really really fun um good good show i guess (laughs) a few episodes as well before it's yeah really nice uh feel i love the way you kind of question and go into deep stuff yeah we like to discuss we don't just like mm. to interview. We like to have conversations, and I think that's that makes the best. At least for me, that's what I want to listen to when I'm listening to podcasts. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, man. It. Cool. We'll see you. Ciao. Thanks again to Sam Harris, and thank you, CEP listener. Remember that word of mouth feels like reaching a mountain peak for us. So don't forget to tell your friends and fam about the great variety that you hear right here on the CEP. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcast to keep the variety coming straight to your ear holes with the automaticity. Also on that note, when you go to Apple Podcasts, it would help us immensely if you would give us a five-star rating while you're there to show your love for the CEP. And speaking of love, you know we love it when you give us all of your love on the socials. So be sure to give us your love on the socials and be sure to visit the launching pad for all things cerebral at thecepodcast.com. That's the all-new and improved cepodcast.com by the way and of course if you need to contact us you can do that at cerebral at the cepodcast.com pick up all of your official cep network merch at vijack.com slash cep and that's all i've got folks so until next time be sure to keep those big beautiful brands of yours nice and warm out there see ya